Welcome back to another installment of the Lifestyle Regulars podcast, a show about extra-large opinions from six regular-sized dudes. I'm Ian, and it's a pleasure to be here, live from Mission Control in Ian's basement. We also have a full house today. Even Nick is joining us from nice and sunny Melbourne. How are we all? I imagine Nick is not doing so well in Melbourne, right? I mean, how many cases did you guys get today? 300, 400? 330 something. Well, I mean, it's really sad and gloomy outside this whole yeah, day, so sucks. not sunny anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I was just lying for the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> this is our 15th episode today, and this is our second ever live recording. For drugs, we brought everybody together because everybody has an extra large opinion on it. Similarly, we'll be talking about something we can all relate to today. I want to talk about how we've grown in the past three years. Why? Because to me, it feels like we've just started being adults. Uh, We've transitioned from university to work and we found freedom, time and money. Some of us have found partners. Some of us are Casanovas. That's right. (laughs) All of us have grown in ways that aren't immediately apparent. So I wanted us to take this time to reflect on our progress and share what we've learned. We've worked hard, we've played hard, we've traveled, dated, maybe even loved, and hopefully we've lived to our fullest. So how have we all grown from this? So instead of warming up, I'm going to dive right in. In what environment have you learnt the most in the past three years? So I'll start with myself. I think I've learnt the most from my relationship actually. What I've learnt from there, I've taken it to my work. So that's me. Your most recent relationship or ones in the past? Uh, my most recent relationship. I see. Yeah. Do any of you relate? Or? Yeah, I definitely relate. I mean, I, being in a relationship for four and a half years, you definitely learn a lot about yourself and about other people as well. I mean, not just not just about your partner, but uh, like the people you meet when you have your partner with you and the way to interact with other couples and stuff. So there's definitely a lot of learning I've done being in a relationship, especially being in a relationship with someone older. There's like a level of maturity I feel like I had to meet pretty early on that I probably wouldn't wouldn't have matured as fast if they weren't older than than I was. So you're the same, right? I'm in the same boat. Yeah. (laughs) My girlfriend is older than me. Yeah. You guys? I would relate to that to some extent, but for me, I don't think my most profound, I guess, experiences were from necessarily from relationships. Um, I think for me it was more or less from travel, um, from seeing other cultures and just meeting other people, being in a comfort zone, outside of a comfort zone so so um, actively, um, that's really set me into a different mindset. Um, and I really want to keep that mindset going throughout my whole life, um, which I find very difficult to do. But then again, back then when I was traveling a lot more, um, it did kind of change the way I saw things um, and the way I interacted with people. It's hard to stay in travel mode when you do come back from your travels and you settle into your routine because I find when I'm traveling, like you're a completely different person, right? Because you don't have that baggage from, uh, of like being already known to people. Um, you can be a completely new person. I think everyone tries to bring back like that personality when they come back from traveling. You know, when you first come yeah. back, you try to stick with that 
mm. almost like more positive attitude that you had when you were traveling. Yeah. But I feel like for me, it dies pretty quickly. Yeah. You get once you down. set once you <laughs> yeah once you get back into routine, it's like you totally forget who you were on holidays. Now, I feel like it's because when you go traveling, you drop all like sense of worries or anything that sort of like sets you back here. You don't have anything to worry about. It's more looking forward to what you're going to be experiencing. And so, like, you have a more positive, open attitude, and you try to keep that when you come back here. But yeah, very soon things, yeah. It's getting very solid quickly. <laughs> so maybe much. it's because you know what to expect when you're here. Yeah. Whereas you don't when you're overseas. Okay, so that's the thing. We know what we expect when we're in Australia, back at our homes, because we set routines for ourselves. That's comfortable. Mm. I think it's actually not too hard if we set our minds to it to change up that routine a bit. Yeah, it's not hard to change up the routine, but don't you feel like you, you become less efficient when you're constantly changing up your routine? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If, is it about efficiency? Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. Is it efficiency? Because mm. from my experience, when I went traveling for the first time, like, I guess solo, when I went to Cambodia for that charity, um, building the school, that whole program, that really taught me different things that I could actually assimilate into my life in terms of humbleness, uh, opening, up, opening up my mind to different cultures and really accepting people just for uh, being people rather than their, I guess, their values. So um, I think really depends on where you're going. It depends on the direction you're taking. That is true, yeah. yeah. Any other environments? I guess, I think you, you already mentioned it before, but being out of your comfort zone has probably been like the, been like the biggest avenue of growth for me. Um, well, I think three years ago was exactly the point when I actually went to Melbourne. And, you know, previously I was always around, you know, lots of friends and family. And just being like, just moving to a city where I pretty much knew no one except for like maybe one or two relatives um, was, you know, a big, big change for me. Like, I know I've learned like a lot from my relationship with Mandy. Um, but yeah, I don't think that would be like the, my biggest um, source of growth, I reckon. Um, mm. it, it, it was my first relationship, so there was a lot to learn. Like not going to describe it. I'm uh, not going to describe, disregard that. So it's more your time by yourself in a new uh, environment, just like living by yourself in a new city. Yeah, yeah. And after living by myself for a bit, about a year, like, you know, after the first year, like I went to, so... During Christmas, I think, and at the end of my first year in Melbourne, I went to um, Japan with Kevin and Joseph for like the first bit for skiing, and then I was by myself for about three and a half weeks. And I guess that was something that I didn't really didn't imagine myself being able to do before I went to Melbourne, because I got the confidence to actually, you know, like I realized that I can, you know, go by myself and have a good time, and I wouldn't have to rely on someone else being with me um, to do that. Man, that's something I really admire because I traveled by myself for maybe like three days and I found it so hard. Like I was just so bored. Like all I, all, like I just couldn't think of anything to do and I just wanted someone else to talk to. So I can't imagine traveling like by yourself for three, three and a half weeks. So that's props to you, man. It's not only traveling, right? Because you, you do have to live by yourself. Like, yeah. I mean, as an adult, you will find like, situations where you're just by yourself like working for yourself doing anything for yourself right yeah i guess so I, I guess it's just like when you're traveling you expect to be having this like level of fun and i feel like i didn't reach it when didn't I was your myself. expectations yeah yeah like if if i felt like if someone else was there 
and we were doing the same thing, it'd just be more fun, which is why I didn't enjoy it when I was by myself. So I feel like yeah. when you travel with someone, though, the biggest pitfall you always get into is um, you end up being very isolated in, in your own group. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're experiencing the place, but you never sort of talk to the people as much or, or actually, you know, delve a bit deeper into their culture or the way they do things because you've got somebody else to talk to and you can, like, surface-level experience everything. Yeah, that's definitely Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And yeah. when I was traveling by myself around Europe, it was much easier for me to meet other people that I never would have spoken to. Mm. Um, it could just be yeah. free tours, getting on those free tours, going to a hostel and staying there for, like, three nights. Um, there's so many people that you just come across and that's not some kind of experience that you would probably appreciate or even think about delving into as much if you have you know a group of people traveling mm. with you yeah true yeah depends on the type of person though. some people aren't as comfortable but then somebody yeah, will so, yeah. sorry yeah. Um, I think your point is very valid Morgs about it's not for everybody but that's probably why it should be something that you mm. try out right mm. uh, well personally that's what I think it's just mm. everything's a learning opportunity and I think that is one of the best learning opportunities if it's not for you Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't imagine that I would enjoy going like, so I stayed in hostels for pretty much a whole time in Japan. And I spoke to like, I met so many people just being there, just being around in that environment. And I really didn't imagine, I think a lot of you would not expect me to be the person who would be like, really enjoy talking to like a lot of people and um, like by myself. Yeah, I didn't think that of you. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I didn't imagine that I would like enjoy that. But I end up, you know, I did. So I think you just have to, yeah, like Morgan, you just have to maybe open yourself up to the possibility of maybe you would enjoy it if you tried. Yeah, I mean, that, I think I'm, that's I'm not against I'm... the idea, by the way. <laughs> like, I, I, I love traveling by myself. I'm not against oh, the idea. Okay, right. Um, I was just saying it's not for everyone because I have friends who are not as, um, like, they don't, they don't find, not, not even the word comfort or joy in just talking to other other people that they, they don't know and, and they don't yeah. see the purpose of it. But like, yeah. Yeah, like different mm. strokes mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, had people learned a lot from work? I was expecting work to come up, to be honest. Mm. I, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna allude to that a little bit, but I feel like for me, like especially environments like relationship and work, um, it does, it does teach you a lot, and you grow a lot. But the application of some of the things you learn are also quite isolated to those environments as well. Like, so if I had to say, relationship, I, I learn what I want in a relationship, and and and, and like you know. Who, who my ideal partner is, what what traits uh, are good and that sort of stuff. Yeah, there is a little bit of teaching me, you know, how to be a better person. And I think that's really true. And also how to love somebody else. That's very important. But I think the the application of it, most of it will be to do with either your partner or, or your family. That's just me from personally, like from my experiences. I can't, I can't relate. I mean, actually, like in, in my work situation, mm. it's not only... Uh, okay, you, you say... Yeah, I was talking about relationship first, that, that, that sort of thing. In work, I do agree that there is a bit more, um, I guess, to it. And, like, some of the things that I do learn at work, I do apply. Like, for example, communicating with people, yeah. managing expectations, um, um, time management, that all that sort of stuff, it does help with your daily life. But I feel like, for me, the bulk majority of my growth is actually through family and through friends. So, like, my friend circles. Mm. Um, I, I'm all, I've always been a person that's... I don't know, some people say... Uh, relatively not confident in myself um, but I think for me it's more open to feedback and I sometimes feel like I'm almost sometimes too open for feedback and I really appreciate it when my friends call me out 
on stuff like that. And I think that sort of relationship really helps me grow as a person you mean from my friend circles. Too open to feedback. So that means you're not standing your ground or mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that would be detrimental in a work situation. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. always took that on board. And so it's like that balance, trying to learn that balance. Yeah. But that's why I feel like my greatest growth influence is definitely my friend circles, but also my family, like having to deal with things I'd I'd say maybe normal families don't have to go through. Um, having to manage, um, you know, my, my mom's health and all that sort of stuff, having to manage that, that, that rest of the house. Yeah, it definitely teaches me things that I never thought I would have to, to learn. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like from uh, what you're saying, Morgan, relationship experiences teach you about relationship mm. growth, like how to grow in, in learning how to be a better person yeah. in a relationship. And also in like love and, and so forth, how to yeah. care. Yeah. And then in work, it teaches you how to be a better person in the workplace. Mm. Um, yeah, because I mean, it all is just social interactions. You're mm. just learning to um, deal with the people that you see day to day, all the time. But yeah, so the reason, yeah, the reason I didn't mention work as a main source is at work, there is still a level of, I would say, the word professionalism. Like people wouldn't call you out and say, hey, look, you, you talk too much or did you swear way too much? But like your friends would be like, yeah, fuck you. You oh, talk way too much. Morgan, I like stuff like way too much, Morgan. I know. I'm sure the listeners are thinking the same. Jokes there. Yeah. No, yeah. in that sense, I do relate to you in that, like, my biggest take homes have been from my relationship, and I've applied that directly to work in a similar way mm. to you. Except um, so I just don't have a girlfriend to, to teach me that stuff. Oh, okay. I'm, but you I'm learn your friends and yep. like, from your family. Yeah. Uh, yep. yep. What I mean is, what do I mean? <laughs> um, Give us an example. Okay, of like what, of a skill we've learned, because we've mm. talked about what we've like, where we've learned it. I've learned to be really honest from my relationship, and I've learned to actually um, directly communicate that to my partner. Yeah. Mm. And so I found that I, I, I developed that skill before I went into my current job. And I found that I was applying that at work with my, with my manager. Because um, there are times when he'll ask things of you and you'll just have to push back and you'll hesitate. And I guess in, when that first happened, you just go like, ah, oh, sorry, I, I can't do that. And then he'll just give you a funny face, like, what, like why? And then from future situations, when I when I explain myself fully, yeah, I have this, this, this on my plate, right? And then it leaves no room for... Interpretation, sort of, yeah. Yeah, because I do have a lot on my plate. I'm not like deliberately trying to be lazy. So I'm explaining myself to him. And so I, get, I feel like I get the better end of the... Mm. I'm not getting a stick because I am actually applying myself at work. Do mm. um, any of you... I can, I can hardly relate to that. Huh? You can I can hardly. highly relate to that. Okay. I thought you said I can hardly relate yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> no. you said that with a smile on your face. No, I can highly relate to that. And that's just a recent experience. And this is with my um, my girlfriend, um, where we were... Did you piss her off? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we just... Uh, we, we had um, a date planned um, one night. And it was to celebrate one of our 
month bursaries. I don't know if everyone does that, but oh, that's cute. That's, that's trash. Cute. So that's cute. cute. Uh, that's so trash. <laughs> <laughs> God, so, so sounds like Leo's God. first God. relationship. Give <laughs> me. Yeah, I'm standing my ground. It's <laughs> growing, boys. It's, it's, it's a growth opportunity, nah. Um, and I had um, I had a startup program that I've signed up to. Um, really exciting stuff. And as, there was a webinar that night where there were uh, real startups pitching uh, within that venture capital cohort. And looking into this, I really wanted to attend that. But I also thought, oh, now nah, I can like you know always. I can always find another opportunity to you know get around to it, or maybe I can see a bit of it, and then I'll see my girlfriend, right? Because it was around start at seven thirty, and I was going to see her around eight. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just see the first thirty minutes, whatever. But that really, that really stuck around in my mind that night. I was just like, fuck. You got to balance this. I got to like I really wanted. I, I didn't notice how much I really wanted to watch it. Mm. Um, and I guess my mind was somewhere else for for a lot of the night, and that that she kind of called out a bit later on. Mm. Um, and then I communicated to her like, yes, what was happening? And I was like, yeah, sorry. But, but for her, it was such a trivial thing. Just, she could have just communicated it. It's like, she would have not minded that we have another night um, aside from just that night. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. It has to be that mm. day. She was just like, yeah, just communicate it to me. Um, yeah. In your head, you made that commitment just, and you had that expectation that she would have expected. She would have been upset. Yeah. Exactly. But you could have put it off to another night as exactly. long as you made that clear. Mm. Yeah. So I didn't want to disappoint her, but I also thought, in retrospect, that's probably something that I need to be working on the most. Like, it's not about disappointment. Like, you should allow that disappointment to happen, essentially, because we're in a relationship, right? You got to compromise either side. And I think I just didn't think about that too deeply. And I thought maybe I don't need to um, respect my own wants at this stage. Maybe this is my compromise. But to her, it was like, fucking, just do it. Like, fuck you, Leo. <laughs> so, um, Wait, so was, was there fallout or? No, no, there was, there was no fallout. It was more like- an, I could never remember. It was just like a situation where, she, where, my, where my girlfriend was like, yeah, um, I'm thinking about this. And like, you, you weren't yourself. Oh. And so I, I felt like really I, I don't know, I felt, I, felt, I felt a bit um I felt a bit offended to some extent because I didn't I didn't really think like that was a thing like I thought I was myself and I was like all good but then essentially that happened and I was like yeah in retrospect that was very bad for me to do that <laughs> it was quite disrespectful on both ends. Mm. Oh, okay. I didn't. Just, I didn't respect myself, and I didn't respect yeah. um, my girlfriend. In your head, you were committed to like your night with your girlfriend, but you weren't really like, exactly half there. Yeah, not fully present. So yeah, moving forward, like I think it's all about that. Like, but I can't simplify it down to just communication or miscommunication. Like, I thought about this, and it's like, is relationship is not just all about miscommunication or communication. I think there's just more to it, but mm. I'm still trying to work that out. I I I also don't think like, you know talking about every little tiny detail and passing over every tiny bit of information is also like the, the right way to be. Not because I'm not talking about like hiding secrets or lying just as a waste of time. There are some things that you can assume, you know, you know her well enough that look, she's either going to be upset if this happens or she's going to be whatever. Like, so you don't always, always have to say, Hey, are you okay if I do that? Or, um, you know, I've got this other webinar going on. Like now, you know, from now that if you have another webinar and it's just a month anniversary, she will be fine with it and you don't have to make Wait, that assumption. But this sort of runs counter to what Leo is saying, right? 
I mean, yeah, yeah granted, like, mm. it might be a small thing, but you don't really know that until yeah, 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 yeah. you communicate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, yeah. I'm not saying no communication, but... Do you have something to say about this? I've just been like <laughs> holding, holding it in like to unleash this spirit bomb. I feel like this is one of the hardest things to learn in a relationship, like being honest with your partner and managing expectations. Like you can think that you're doing the best for you and your partner mm. by mm. maybe it's not saying something like with what you did, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah. You're doing the best for both of you, but they, the other person knows or if they find out somehow, and it will always lead to like a huge fallout. Mm. Like I've had many fights like that. Uh, I know friends who have had many fights like that, and even had like breakups and stuff over stuff like this. Mm. And and it wasn't and it wasn't out of bad intentions. It, it like they wanted to hide it from the other person because they thought it was the best for both of them, or they thought, oh, they don't really need to know this small little thing. But it's I feel like it's always better to tell them and face. It, it, like for yours it wasn't like a negative thing right you weren't hiding something negative you just wanted to do something else but like so other times it may be you you're hiding something negative perhaps and then it's better to face the face the confrontation earlier on than to let them find out later yeah mm. and yeah. yeah so it's just yeah. a, it's just, it's just a really hard thing to because if you yeah. hide a small thing uh, and that goes you can hide if you hide a small thing you can hide bigger things later on and it'll always yeah. lead to some sort of really bad situation yeah I completely agree and I, and I take that spirit bomb yeah. <laughs> in my face um, and, and what I take from that and I, I reflect on it is I think I I almost try to read into my girlfriend's mind and think this is best for her yeah which is not a good assumption to make it's almost like mansplaining, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a very disrespectful thing to do when um, you think about it. You mean you're assuming what she's thinking? Well, I'm assuming, but yes, um, I'm kind of, over, I'm not even considering her thoughts because I'm not even checking. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Oh, okay. So you're not even asking her. Almost. Yeah. Uh, mm. Has this happened so. to you, Nick? Because you guys live together, so there must yeah. be some small things, right? I don't know. It's it's kind of hard because there's a lot of things that I don't really relate to because. Uh, I feel like, so I've talked to many about this, but I feel like we haven't actually had our big fight yet. We haven't had a big fight. Really? But, but you don't need to have a big fight if you're not hiding anything from each other or you're being honest. Yeah, yeah. as in, it's like, I guess, I'm trying to think how to... You're still in the honeymoon phase? Or you're not standing your ground or... No, it's or not what? that. It just feels like, in general... The stuff, we haven't had any disagreements from things because we seem to be quite aligned in the way, in terms of how we think, in terms of yeah. how we think. Um, because you can, yeah. you can understand each other. And yeah, this I think is, so. This is, yeah, this is my relationship with Minjong cause, because um, we do explain it, like things to each other slowly and clearly, there doesn't have to be like an ex escalation ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, I think in our relationship, think that's so it, it's a good thing that you like. It's a good thing to have. Mm. Mm. Richard's been pretty quiet. Like, like it doesn't have to be like on relationships or mm. like. What have you learned? I think from a very young age, I was still. I always saw myself as a underdog for a lot of things. I guess the the change period or like the pivotal points for me throughout my life have been 
leaving high school, uh, so leaving high school, starting uni, going on that one trip I mentioned before, and starting work. So there's three points, I think, that I, I see as uh, pivotal to where I am today. The first one, which is leaving high school. In high school, I was not the tallest. I had eczema, and I always saw myself as someone who just was not considered. It was just, yeah, I, I felt the underdog in a lot of things. And after I left high school, I saw that as an opportunity to just uh, try and grow in everything. Rebrand yourself? Uh, not even rebrand myself, just be better. Like, mm. Just harder, faster, stronger. Yeah, pretty much. I, I, it adds to my competitive nature. So at that time, I remember very clearly reading so many self-help books. Like uh, what people are looking at now is the, the red pill stuff for just dating. Um, even just things like Mark Manson that we mentioned a, a few. Models. Models, models and the new subtle art of not giving a fuck, fuck yeah. that yeah. book all these self-help books that would try to like i'll try to in, in integrate into my life on becoming a better person so that was during that phase between there and then my first trip to uh, overseas that was your testing ground yeah so i went to the gym i learned how to like make like basic food i just became i guess more mature as a person well-rounded mm. and then after that trip i learned like other things where, uh, I guess, non-physical non things, for example, humility, respect. These are the things you can only get, I think, when you do volunteer type work. And I took that back to me, with me to Australia until the point where I started working. And I was lucky enough to get into a position where everyone around me was a lot older than me. A lot of people nowadays with their startups, startups or even their graduate programs, they're already in a team of very young people. They're mm -hmm. very much like yourself. I think has its advantages, and but also disadvantages. Yeah, but being in a more mature environment, more uh, with older people around me, it kind of forced me at work to be a just uh, how, how do you say it? I guess a professional, professional, mature. Um, you have to deal with the whole spectrum of people, not just like young people you're used to. Yeah, yeah. It was a different crowd that I had to, like, I'm going to use the word please. It's and because you didn't choose this crowd and this crowd was already set for you. Because in high school, you choose your friends. Yeah. In uni, you know, you yeah, choose the people friends. you want to hang out with. But at work, you don't get a choice of who your teammates are. That is true. You're placed in the team. You have to adapt. Mm. And I think that's the key to our discussion today. Just being able to adapt to... Uh, I had a feeling you were going to bring this together. <laughs> the changing environments. Mm. And like this comes up a lot, but you know that Maya Briggs test? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, where you get some sort of personality, right? Mm. Uh, a lot of, I, I see this a lot on dating apps because well, a lot of girls put themselves into a profile, mm. even guys as well. And they define themselves by that profile. Mm. But I think that profile is what you are Right, at that at present point, moment. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't see yourself moving away from that, I think that's really sad because as a person, you should be able to change. You should have the ability to change. You should have the ability to grow. Mm. And you should see that as an opportunity to say, okay, this is where I am now. What do I want to become in the future? And take steps towards that, however it may be. Mm. Like some of the suggestions you said today, solo traveling. Um, you can learn stuff from relationships, yeah. from work, lots of different avenues that will hopefully open your mind to what's, what's possible into becoming the person you are. Yeah. Mm.
to just be able to change when you're presented with any sort of stimulus. Like you've talked about self-help books. I, I feel like when I read books, like if it's profound to me, like, like the past three books I've read, like I changed so much. Or like I changed my whole like value system uh, alongside that. I, I don't know if that's being too impressionable, but that's what I've found. And I found that that's been more valuable than, than not. Mm. Has anyone found that with books or? I think it's happened ever since we started that book club more so. When you get to discuss some of the topics, you don't realize how impactful that literature you just read mm. had on you. Mm. So being able to talk to someone about it is also very uh, important. Mm. Mm. The interesting thing is I've, I've, I've always been a person that almost, I wouldn't, actually this is interesting. So primary school, I used to love reading books, but I don't know what happened. When I got to high school and, and uni, I, I just generally avoided having to read. You put down the habit, actually. I think I, I, think I might have put down the habit, but I've also just avoided reading a whole shit ton of books. And that's why thesis was so difficult for me because it was like literally reading book after book yeah. after book. Um, I've always taken the mantle because like, I think that was one of the things that I was relatively proud of my ability to adapt um, in a lot of different uh, situations and circumstances. But I've always taken the mantra of um, like learn through failure or learn through like doing. So for me, it was always uh, to grow is to expose yourself to a certain similar sort of environment that you have no fucking clue what to do and then trial and error and, and adapt to that. So instead of, I guess I do really appreciate like in, in like, you know, when you mentioned models and stuff like that, like reading through and understanding um, what that person's learnings are and what they have. But I like firmly believe that for everyone, the solution to a problem or solution to a stimulus is like different for every yeah. everybody. Where do you where do you find most of your failures then? Because that's where the first question was touching on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a good question. Like for me, historically, it's just either been pushing myself out to like involvement in different areas. So for example, um, Actually, I yeah, think a good example. Like, oh no, yeah. work was 100% a yeah. first point already, but like that gets boring real quick. Um, as in, you, you often have new problems and new situations that, you know, you're uncomfortable with at work, but that's all fine and like that's all fine and well. Um, but I think in terms of life, um, which is like, I think a whole different uh, thing, um, would be like, I yeah. guess, other external stimulus. Well, like, it's harder to know failure in life, right? It is, it is, it is much harder. Like um, when would you, yeah, would, when would I don't you call know. a day of failure? Like, well, really I think strange. most, the, the cool thing is I think most of that feedback does come from people that I also go through that experience with and they could be people that, yeah. you know, have already been there, done that, or it yeah. could be friends that I'm going through that's, that yeah. give me that feedback to say, hey, look, you, you've failed. No, that's, not yeah, that you failed, but... That's why, honestly, yeah. I wanted everybody to come together today, like, mm. to share what, like, the greatest skills we've learned today mm. and, like, Maybe if that isn't like apparent to one of you or if it wasn't apparent to me, we can take that on board. So, yeah. Mm. But that's a, that, that's a really good question. I'll have to think about it. I'll, I'll come back. Okay. This topic came about because Leah and I were talking uh, just in the car like one night and we were talking about not having the skills when we were younger to express ourselves. Uh, completely clearly and that would leave 
like so maybe three years ago that would have left a lot bottled up and three years ago that wouldn't have seemed like a problem like because it's just how we were taught right we we're just taught to always keep things to ourselves and but now that I've learned to release this cap or this sort of cork uh, I think it's made all the difference um, Leo do you have something to say about that yeah so in terms of the reason why we wanted to bring this topic up I think there's probably two or so reasons one is we've just kind of entered a pivotal moment in our lives where we're kind of entering our workforce um, after university. And I think there were a few points in which we touched on the reasons why that is so pivotal. Um, one being that you don't really decide who you're with. And second, um, I wanted to kind of touch on how expressing oneself is probably difficult unless you've got the vocabulary to do so. So vocabulary to me is having the self-awareness about what you're feeling and secondly, being able to communicate that in a language that everybody else would be able to understand accurately. To be able to empathise with you. Yes, well, it not just empathise because empathy means that they have experienced that before, right? Um, I think you're literally being able to absorb what you're talking about and be able to really be in the same wavelength as what you're experiencing. Yep. Um, and that's super important at work, especially, because you're coming together with people from a diverse range of backgrounds, age groups, as well as agenda. And I think when it comes to that agenda piece, there's a lot of things you've got to manage, right? You've got to manage expectations, you've got to manage your own stance within the, I guess, the landscape of different agendas. Hmm. And if you don't have the ability to communicate what you're feeling and what you want, then you just get crushed. Um, and that's, that's, just, that's the hard reality of corporate environment. I'm sure it's the same for many other environments where mm. a lot of people are striving to achieve their own agenda. Um, it could be monetary benefits through capitalistic desires, um, mm. or it could even you be through- You want that pay rise. <laughs> Sorry? You want that pay rise. Yeah, you want what that you want pay rise. You get what you want. Yeah, and you want the pay rise. Or it could even just be like to fulfill your ego. And mm. it could be like those primal, more childhood oriented desires, which you may have had when you were very young. Mm. Um, you, want your, you, you want your parents to be Please. super proud of you. Yeah. Mm. Um, you don't want your, your brother or sister or the other kids to get the credit, even though mm. they've done most of the work. Mm. Um, honestly, like I, I see this a lot in the corporate environment and it's quite disgusting <laughs> to be frank. Mm. Um, but there's, a, there's ways that you've got to manage this. And I think the way you do that is, um, language. Mm. Um, so, and I think language you can, you can gain through reading books, obviously. Um, but not just that, I think it's more about communicating with so many different people in all these new adapt, uh, environments that you have to adapt to putting yourself out there, having those hard conversations, right? Like, mm. what the fuck are you doing? Um, why are you giving me this work when you clearly should be the one doing it? Mm. Or, dude, this is like 9 p.m. You're expecting me to get this to you at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Like, bullshit, right? Um, but those things happen and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta I guess, mm. balance what's um, right in terms of what's the end goal or the value that you're trying to achieve with everybody else versus what's right mm. for you um, and I guess, your mental state as well. 
because mm. you don't want to be breaking it down and compromising on that. I kind of covered a lot of random things here, but yeah. Do you guys more or less um, resonate with what I'm talking about? I know I do because mm. the like, three years ago, without these tools, my assumption was that like the person that I was talking to would they would know how I'm feeling, but that's completely ridiculous. Like, why would you know what's going on in my head? But that's because you know yourself um, a lot better than the person sitting opposite you. So that's what um, I guess making yourself understood is is about, right? They don't really know what's going on in your head, and they don't know what you're feeling. And uh, yeah, to tell tell them. Um, mm. Some I, will, some people will find it hard to take that first step, though. So, what advice would you have for that? First step being. Uh, actually just speaking your mind yeah speaking, speaking your mind. mind honestly yeah honestly it's, it's um yeah. is it just a giant leap you have to, you have, leap to you, you have to be courageous like this is something i've actually learned from the corporate environment actually we have a culture of like speaking up mm. and although i like sh like i like to shit on corporate <laughs> corporate culture and stuff this has been a really valuable thing for me to take away so Honestly, it's just speaking up. Like, if if you're if people are asking something unrealistic of you, just speak up. If you see something unsafe going on, speak up. Um, if you see that people aren't doing the work, call them out. Because um, you have a person, you have a perfectly rational rational point to call them out for. Mm. And so you shouldn't just take it. You shouldn't bottle that up. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think one thing I'll come back to is. No one is inherently evil. Oh, I, I love that pause. <laughs> Why were you looking at Morgan when you said that? <laughs> it was because I made a funny face, right? Oh, no, I was looking at Richard. Okay. I was, I was yeah. like trying to gauge, gauge his Because <laughs> evil is to my left. Yeah. <laughs> and good is to my right. No, no one is inherently evil. Like, they don't want you to suffer. I don't think so, at least. Um... Mm. Mm. That's a different debate for a different time. Mm, yeah, Michael's yeah, definitely a debate we That's can a have a different debate. time, I yeah. think. <laughs> no, I think, I agree. Most of it's miscommunication. Maybe, maybe I'll do a talk on this later, but I, I believe that you some part of personality is born within, some part of it is developed, but... You think will... people have a sadistic side to them? Not necessarily, but... Um, Not necessarily. You know, let, let, yeah. yeah. And let's take this offline. A second point. <laughs> <laughs> to speak up means that you are doing something that is worthy of their respect. If you're mm. always being like stamped on and beaten, mm. beaten down, people classic, get used to it. Yeah. People just get used to that kind scenario. of I, I guess my question to this is in, in terms of like this topic, are you guys saying that one of the key, I guess, growth skills that you guys have picked up in that last three years and is pivotal to, I guess, further growth as an individual is the way you can communicate your feelings to other people. Yep. Is, is yeah. that what, okay. Cool. Inherently. Yeah. Being yeah. honest with those feelings, being yeah. courageous yeah. when you're speaking up. I think, I, there's a, I think there's another skill on top of that. It's not just about being able to express your own feelings, but being able to almost predict someone else's feelings. Because like, like we've all been saying, it's hard for some people to express how they're feeling or give you exactly like a window into their mind. But based on the information that you get, you can you can extrapolate and make inferences 
And that comes with experience. And I feel like that's something I've learned uh, in the past few years, just being able to read people better, understand. Listening. Like, yeah, yeah. Being a more active listener, I guess. Facilitating other people as well. Yeah, yeah. Something like mm. that. I think that's a skill that uh, goes with what you guys have been talking about. Like and a skill you learn yeah. together with that. And even uh, and if the people aren't in like a state of mind to facilitate that, that's when you have to make yourself heard. Mm. Because they have other things on their mind as well. Not They don't just have you... They're not, they don't, then their immediate thought isn't just to like bully you. It's just because they have something else they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, agreed. Um, and on that point, Michael, I agree that being an active listener is absolutely critical and complementary to that. Mm. But I think there's certain assumptions that you should never make. Um, yes, have a stance around how you're going to enter that conversation, whether it be if you are trying to convince that person to not give you more work because you're absolutely under the pump um, or whatever. I think, yes, have a stance, but I don't think there's um, any benefit in having any assumptions and going on that assumption. Well, it's not just like about having the assumption and then you keep it to yourself. You have the assumption and then you you do what you guys are talking about. You express it, you express the assumption back to them mm. and then see how right you were, how wrong you were, and then go forward. And then both of you will be on the same page quicker. So the telling, unsolved, so the unsolved you're mystery. Is, yeah, uh, yeah. So you're telling me this because you're- Yeah, yeah, blah, is, blah, is blah, this blah. right sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. The unsolved mystery yeah, of Really tank. good skill. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> and this is something I think I've learned Is that why you do work. so much work, Morgan? <laughs> Don't give me shit for that now, not <laughs> oh, now. God. Oh gosh. Um, anyway. Um, this is something I learned at work, but whenever you're calling those things out or communicating assumptions, always remove personal bias, or what do you call it? Um, always remove emotions from that. Yeah, it's not mm. personal. Only make it objective, mm. exactly what you observe. It's just business. Otherwise, <laughs> you're gonna be causing all sorts of shit. Mm. Mm. Take the cannoli. <laughs> Okay. On that note of that call out, you know how you were just saying, why do you work so much? I think it, it's a really relative because when Leo was talking about this bit before, like, oh, look, it's 9 p.m., you've got to get it to me by 10 a.m. And like having the ability to say no to that, I completely agree with that. And I think um, one of my biggest, I'd say, I, I'm, I wouldn't use the word growth point, I'll say growing point. Mm. Um, and, and what I've been trying to work a lot on, um, lately and I think it's probably quite pivotal is uh, I don't know how, how to how to start this but more like around the importance of self-validation mm. so I think we grew up um, and, and and I'm sure more so in Asian households um, around you know impressing someone like your worth is defined by how other people see you and I used to hold on to that notion of and this is why I hated those people they used to be like oh, look, I'm so good, um, and then, you know, sell themselves out in corporate environments. And I always used to think, hey, look, hard work will always prevail, but it's not always true. It is a mixture of hard work and the right work um, with the right level of visibility. And I think um, one thing that I've been trying to improve on and learn is being comfortable in defining my own self-worth rather than letting other people define, um, you know, how much I'm worth based on what feedback people give me and, and have that level of like more 
and I don't know if it makes me a little bit more selfish, but more like um, more me and less about you, okay. if that makes sense. If you do seek this self-validation from yourself, mm. then will you stay back to work? And, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't change, but it would mean that if I'm staying back to work, it there must be, be for something um, like, like not, to, yeah, to not prove to myself, not because somebody else. Exactly, yeah. Seeking self-validation is a growing point, I feel. Because mm. like throughout life, right? When you're in primary school, you're trying to make your teachers happy. Yeah, when you're in high school, you're happy. trying to make yeah, yeah, make your mom or your your your, your, your teachers happy, right? In university, again, grades make your professor happy, yeah. whatever, right? Um, for some people, and I, I the few select people that I do know who really know what they want to pursue at a young age, you know, those are the people that understand self validation, self worth, because yeah. when they study and when they choose something to work on, they are working on it because they know where they want to head. Yeah. Now, for a lot of us who don't, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... This resonates with me because I know uh, I'm not going to get what I want from work. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to derive any meaning from my work. I think I learned that pretty early on within my career, like within six months. I was getting nothing out of it. Um, so, like, the, the subject I've chosen to study, science... I wasn't going to get any satisfaction out of my job. So I would have to find it outside of my work because I still need to work for the money. But um, ultimately, my direction in life won't be related to work. I think I'm alone in feeling this, right? Because a lot of you are satisfied with what you're doing at work, right? Morgan's shaking his head, but I think you work the hardest out of us. And, and I think that's what I was trying to say. Well, Hard is not necessarily, I don't think it's the right word for it. It's like stupidly hard. Um, but wait, what were you saying? I'm not following. And, and I think, I think it's, it's a little bit to do with my personality because your, your assumption that you've made is that, look, I'm working so hard because I believe. Yeah, in, in you what, believe in the work. You, you, you believe in the work and believe in what I do. And I can say, no, I don't. Um, and for the record, no one say where the hell I work because I'm going to get fired for saying this. But it's more because, like, for me, I I don't know. Uh, from a young... So it's the money. No, no, it's not even the money. From a young age, I've always been... I don't know. I, I've always been a peep. Like, I don't care what happens to me as long as the people I care about are happy. That's always been my philosophy. And it's sometimes a really, really bad downfall for me, and so for example, the reason I sometimes work so hard is so that my team members don't need to, or my teammates, or my, you know, my, like the people that report to me don't have to, right, to protect them. But like, I don't know, I question myself yeah, every you, day. Yeah, can you explain yourself? Are you growing for this? No, no, so that's why I'm saying I'm not. And that's why I say, look, my growing point, not my growth point, because I haven't, definitely haven't achieved it, yeah. is to rethink that and, and, and to put that, that larger focus on self-validation. So again, well, self-worth proved not through other people's thoughts on me, but through what I think of myself. What I'm getting at is that you're, you're dissatisfied with work, but you still work as mm. hard. This is, this is something- Because my motivation, because my motivation point doesn't come from myself, it comes from other people at the moment. And I need to really okay. pull so your the motivation point. point. That's exactly, yeah. Um, um, can I throw in some potentially unpopular opinion with yourself, Morgan? Yeah, sure. Sure, go, go, go. You know how you said during high school and 
I don't know, primary school, you're trying to please your parents and teachers, your peers, mm-hmm. professor. Mm-hmm. In this case, aren't you trying to please your subordinates? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly that's exactly what I'm saying. I wouldn't say, yeah. So, part, part of, I mean, we should talk about this more, but mm. I think if I was your subordinate, I wouldn't want you to suffer on your own. If I was a team member, I would mm. want to work as a team mm. and achieve a goal. And we do, and, and that's sort of why we say that. I feel, like, I feel like you've created a culture where they're now super reliant on you to do all the work. Not necessarily, because my team's there late with me, but it's all, we're all, rel- I, I wouldn't say, look, we don't believe in the work we do. We are relatively unhappy with the, the way work has been dealt and, and the amount of resources that are put onto these projects, but we suffer it through together. And I guess for me, that's my point. It's like my motivation is no longer look, um, we're doing some great work. Um, we're really pushing great things out there. It's more like, hey, look, our, te- our team, all of us need each other to pull through this, right? Let's just get it done together. And that's now become the core driver, which is very different to what it really should be. But if that makes sense, yeah. Mm. Mm. You're putting up with it just for the people you work Yeah, because my people also put up with that as well. Yeah, and it, it becomes unhealthy, but like, I'm sure Anyone who works in corporate, like, will understand. I would say no to that. Yeah. You, you, sh- you should take a step Long term, I would yeah. say no to that. And that's why long term, I don't believe in mm. working yeah. for a corporate vision. Mm. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And what that's why I'm unhappy. Because I know you're pretty committed to your work right now. Am I? That's what I feel. I feel you're... My impression is that you're dedicated to climbing the ladder. From, all right, we've podcasted for a long time. I always had this impression. Does anyone else have the impression? So, I, okay. feel like, I feel like I've known Leo for a while and I wouldn't say he's dedicated to climbing the ladder. Like for me, him as a, it, it's, it's not, it's, I think it looks like it is from the way he, um, I guess, portrays himself. But what I really do see is just somewhat an ambitious individual. Like that to me is it's at the core of what it is. And ambition doesn't always necessarily mean climbing the ladder. And I think a lot of us see that ambition and the fact that he is, you know, in a corporate environment. Okay. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, I think Morgs hit it. Um, I definitely don't want to climb the ladder that I'm in right now. Yeah. Um, but he wants to do greater ins- things. It doesn't inspire me, honestly. There's a lot of things that doesn't inspire me about climbing a ladder like that. Um, <laughs> then what will it be then? Yeah. <laughs> What probably, you? probably making, making a difference. ladder. Making, I think that, making that's difference. what inspires me. Making a ladder. Sounds like Daenerys Targaryen. She mm. doesn't want to. Mm. Is, is it more around making a difference? Like having an impactful, I guess, uh, outcome or, 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 or impact to society? With that. So I had this conversation with. Um, this person I met random, it's not random, but it was like a pair up that we had through this other startup program. Um, she was from India, um, super ambitious, super passionate about making people happy. Doesn't matter how, but she's like, one way that she wants to do it is to connect small businesses together and give people small experiences that they would remember and make it super personal. Um, we talked about this for like a few hours. I think it was uh, yesterday, it was yesterday. Um, and what I learned from that was 
I don't think I can continue to be working for I don't know, 200, 300 people that make most of the bucks from your work um, and aspire to be one of them. Because if somebody, if, if for, my, for example myself, I'm not inspired to be like them, then how can I be fulfilled working as one of them in the future? It just didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things we do are super important, I personally feel, like very valuable for society, but it's not always going to be the case. And I think when it's not the case, those things make it very hard to There's continue working. Sorry? There's a dissonance. There's definitely a cognitive dissonance. And that's why a lot of people jump in and out. Yeah. Um, but while you're in there, like, I think there's a lot of things that you gain. Yeah, super, you ex- super, super yeah. good experiences, super great relationships. Um, yeah. But so it's not always the case. Yeah. You can't regret working there because you're, you are learning so much from the environment. Mm. Yeah. At the same time, long term, it's not what you want for yourself. And the question is, what do I want for myself? I still don't know. Um, and I had a conversation with uh, this person that I paired up with, like, what's your passion? And I find it very hard to answer that question. Mm. I find it hard to answer what's my mission in life. Mm. And it's something that just keeps changing. It's, it's alive. It's a living thing. And you've got to keep adapting, like Richard you were saying, in different environments. And I think that's how you find it. Um, and once you find your passion, maybe you work on it for a bit and then it becomes a bit dull and dead. And then you move on and you find another one. Yeah, I, I think uh, passion doesn't always have to be work-related. It's good if it is work-related, but you can find uh, what you want to be passionate about from just life in general. So it could just be traveling. And then, like you said, Ian, the money is just there to facilitate your other your passion. actual passion. Yeah. Can we go around the circle and quickly... Uh, ask if we have found that long-term passion i think i have it's just a yes no leo has no no morgan definitely not yourself yes michael uh i'm gonna say yes i i think you're i think you're yes yeah nick i would say i would say yes at the moment yes okay and can we go around the circle and ask how many of us are satisfied with work as well i'm a no i'm a strong no can I have a spectrum? I, I guess, what, what's your definition of satisfied, oh. right? Like, as in, is it as simply as you go to work every day looking for? Let's not make it too complicated. Do? I think it should still be a yes or no answer. It's yeah. a gut feeling. Even if, it, I think, even yeah. if there's something yeah. of, of a no, like, then it should like be. You like, feel, you feel fulfilled going to work. I don't. No. Not real. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm also a yes yeah. on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes as well. Can Nick or Michael talk about their experiences at work? Because uh, I see, I, I want Michael to talk because I feel he's pretty... Double yes. He's pretty satisfied with what he's doing, which which I feel is the exception to be, <laughs> to be fair. In but, this day and age, but, it's definitely... Wait, what do you mean it's the exception? It's the exception to be satisfied with your job or like yes. the job I'm in Cause is... The, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an exception in this day and age to both have found a great passion that yeah. you, you want to strive for and also be satisfied yeah. in where you work. Because yeah. the, like, the common culture is to celebrate Friday because you're clocking off because you're not working anymore. Like, that's something I've always seen. Mm. And the common thing to, is to see Wednesday as hump day because you're halfway to the weekend. You're always celebrating the weekend while you're, while you're at work. 
But it's, um, it's also a good question to say, how long have you actually worked where you are? Yeah, I, I've only changes. started working last September. So I've worked for less than 12 months. Mm. And no. while I did say I was satisfied with my job and that I think I found my passion, I feel like those are two separate things. Mm. Like you guys were saying before that the job facilitates the passion. Like I feel like I'm satisfied with my job because it does do that for me. It gives me time to think about and you know, practice, yeah, pursue my passion already. And like, okay, so the resources to do that are given to me through my job. The, and like the, it's the work I do, I find interesting, but it's not something that I think about a lot. It's just something I go to work and I do, and then that's kind of it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's different to most of you guys because you do more work at home or whatever. Yeah, um, I answered both yes to your questions, Ian, because I've been lucky enough to find something I'm working on at the moment that I see real value in and I feel, that really fulfills me because it also aligns with my passion. And I think I mentioned this before in, a, uh, in our book club meeting, but my passion is I see that we're hopefully one day going to leave Earth at some point. I want to be able to see everything that Earth has to offer. I want to protect that for whoever's still here and then also be able to also leave Earth being satisfied with what I've left behind. And in my field of renewable energies, you do both. Yep. I do that and I see value in helping the planet uh, survive to that point where we can actually leave and, you know, yeah. Yep. I've been very lucky in that sense um, that, uh, that both of them are aligned. I know mm. a lot of people haven't uh, connected the two. Yeah. Mm. Nick, you answered yes to both as well. Yeah, I said yes for both as well. I think it's because, um, I think I'm similar to you, Richard. Like, the work I'm doing now, like, I'm quite passionate about it just because of, because at the moment I'm working on infrastructure projects and and I want to be more focused around like energy transmission distribution and stuff. It just because the field I work in just touches, it has the possibility of having a positive impact on a lot, on a lot of people and actually, you know, something that people rely on in their lives. And I find that really interesting, even though like, I have to, you know, no one like enjoys work all the time. Um, but the general like direction I'm heading towards, I feel like um, I see real purpose in it, and um, I'm pretty excited on like you know as I keep growing in this like in the field. Hmm. Can I ask a question? What inspires? Yeah. Uh, let's go around in a circle. What inspires you? What do you draw inspiration from? Because I think that's very deeply clo uh, deeply connected with growth. Because if it inspires you to do some something, you will always want to grow in whatever that is. Hmm. I, I'll start. I'm going to say literally everything. And this is something I learned recently from uh, that Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix, Lost The Last Dance. Dance. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that at first, but Michael Jordan, like he can manifest something that will inspire him to play so well in a game that may, may not have even existed. Like I think one of the things was in a restaurant, like one of the uh, opposing coaches was put some shade or something. And the coach said afterwards, that never happened. But in Michael Jordan's head, it did. And that inspired him to like to play one of the best games ever. And for me, I really took that on board because I realized that's what I was doing. Like I see people on MasterChef, oh, they're, they're doing so well, like they can create all these dishes. I see people, um, like Morgan working so hard. I see everything, I feel like I can, I can 
I'm lucky enough to be able to draw inspiration from everything around me to the extent that it's not negative. It's a positive growth uh, mm. projection. And um, it's something recently I've, I've really uh, focused in on. I, I've, it's, it's become real to me. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to know, like, I guess, what you guys draw inspiration from. For me, it's artists. Because uh, I've always loved music and like videos, graphic design, and because uh, of the emotional impacts that it has on you, right? Um, another thing uh, from from my relationship is knowing how long that comes to, how long it takes to make art. Because a three-minute clip can take months and months of work. And what you see is just like the tip of the iceberg. And a lot of it will go unseen. Like a lot of it will just be, uh, just, it will never come truly into the uh, eye of society. It will float away into the ether. Yeah, a lot of it is just somewhere on the internet. Uh, but uh, th I know that a lot of effort has been put in. And I guess the art that does inspire you, or that, that does really, um, generate an emotional response in me, uh, that's what inspires me. Yeah. I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit similar to like Richard, but I think that's just because I've always been a sort of a jack of all trades, master of none. So everything has always uh, piqued my interest a little bit and like to sort of pursue, you know, all angles um, at all times. But if I, if I had to pinpoint it to like, I guess um, one thing, it'd most likely be people and, and that could be, you know, my friends, my families, just people I don't know, people I see, TED Talks. Um, it could be, you know, talks that I attend. And I think the sad thing, the sad reality for me is a lot of that inspiration is all relatively short-lived and I wish it, it would stick a bit longer, but that would probably be the source. Um, yeah, because I think for me, like, I, I don't really have a passion, but I do have a dream. Um, and my dream is similar to, like, Richard, uh, like to one day be able to sort of leave this earth and, and sort of like, you know, tackle new frontiers, adapt um, to like the harshest environments, explore and see new things. Um, maybe because I'm a bit of a goldfish sometimes, like I get disinterested in things pretty quickly, but um, yeah, definitely not as grand of a, 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 a purpose as um, Richard's. But um, yeah, so I think for me, probably people. I think something. I think the things that I draw inspiration from are just when I see people at the top of their field, whatever it may be. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if it could be like just an artist who's just made like constantly producing or bangers Chipogo. or like Chipogo hmm? or something. A what? Chipogo or <laughs> oh, Kipchoge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chipogo. Yeah, yeah, like Chipotle. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, Kipchoge, like athletes at the top of their field when they've pushed their body to the extreme and they've reached the peak of their field and pushed the limits of what people have thought were possible in whatever in whatever they're doing or just like pushed it enough so that people are amazed at what they've accomplished. So anything like that, I, I think that's where I draw, draw main inspiration from. I've been thinking and I still can't find the right... Um, way to I guess describe what inspires me but I think one of the things is when someone does something that he didn't expect that's what inspires me the most so for example um, my dad's memorial service a few years ago um, 
there were a lot of people that came to that that I didn't really know personally. Um, and they all seemed like they knew my dad in a different way, in a way that I didn't really see him. And that was that he just helped so many people throughout his life that um, was out of my vision or my experiences. And that really inspired me to be more like him in that more, be more giving, um, mm-hmm. but not necessarily kind of, you know, talk about it and be super public and um, expose that and make that your brand. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just, you know, give in small ways um, to everyone you can. And that's really, that's really inspiring to me mm. um, because it's just simply you're doing something in the background where no one's really looking in the shadows, but someone's benefiting from it. Um, and I think that's very different to, say, what I see in a corporate environment where everyone's trying to be like, hey, I'm it's doing this, but you're kind of exaggerating it, right? But, mm. but you do have to do that as well. Yeah, I. Mm, yes, you do have to do it, do but that's that. why it's not inspiring to me. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I think this is ideal, and maybe this is an ideal, ideal, idealism where um, I thought Marx is working super hard because the work he puts in, he believes, will be seen by those that make the decisions, and he will be um, rewarded for it, or at least not necessarily rewarded, but. Um, given the right amount of respect for it. Mm. And I think that's very valuable. To me, unfortunately, the corporate environment isn't always like that. And that's why I find it's very, it's very, it's a big shame. Um, And the world should be more like that, in my opinion. Mm. On that note, though, like on the the whole, um, uh, what is it called? Like having to yell yourself out in a corporate environment. I feel like there comes more value that other people sell you for you rather than you sell yourself. So I don't always believe that you need to necessarily be the one and be like, look, I'm doing such amazing work. That's a good You just need to do enough for your immediate people or other people to notice that they do the selling of you for you. But you Mm -hmm. can also tell them to sell you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like... (laughs) (laughs) But but like that's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different conversation. But I think the weight of somebody else selling you yeah. is much higher you than still need to be visible uh, in, any, in both yeah. cases you yeah, still need yeah, to be yeah, visible yeah, yeah. Mm, Nick? Nick I'm being a bit quiet because it's, it's a pretty hard question um, I feel like it's just from for me where I draw inspiration from it's sort of a mix of what Morgan and Michael said like when I hear up like my friends and I guess you know people at top at the people at the top of the field doing certain things it sort of makes me think that they've so at least for people who are at the top like they push, they can push themselves this much and do all these things. Surely I can put in some amount of like I can at least do like this much, and accomplish something. Like I, it's kind, of, it's kind of hard to articulate. I'm not really sure how to say it. Um, I guess how you how you say it is, you want to be this person you're inspired by, right? Not, not be them. Like, why not? To have that, are you more like admiration or respect or be inspired by their willpower and by their like kind of. motivation to it's achieve? It's like by their like drive and their like mm-hmm. their willingness to, you know, put themselves through this thing to accomplish this. Like it makes me want to put in like... Uh, it's, it's like their achievement seems so much bigger than what your is maybe seemingly small task is. And it's like, oh, 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah I think it's kind of what I mean. It's okay. Because, yeah, I mean, for this question of inspiration, it's, for me, it's always who I want to be, and that's, that's who I want to be. I want to be an artist. And I know Michael, mm. he wants to be an Iron Man. Yeah, it's not just about, I feel like it's not just about being, wanting to be them, but seeing what someone can do and then thinking about what you can do in whatever you're doing. So, you, like, I may look at an artist at the top of their field and I admire them and I'm inspired by them, but it's not like I'm going to do anything creative. It's just I'm inspired by the drive, mm. I guess, by the energy, the passion. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I sort of get what Nick's trying to say because now that I think about it a little bit, like sometimes my inspiration is mostly because it is it is an admiration or respect for that person um, because they achieve something that I deem subconsciously as my biggest weakness that you might not see in yourself as your biggest weakness, but you subconsciously know when you hear and you see them do things like, for me, that's like, you know, self-motivation, self-drive, achieving something, sticking to something for a very long time. So when I do see people who do that, it inspires me, even though I may not have consciously known, hey, look, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Hey, Nick, um, question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you draw inspiration from those that you know more than those you don't? Mm, probably. Uh, I mean, because I guess from the people that you know, that are close to you and people that you know, like you sort of know, like, you know, what they've, it, it's more personal. Like if you've heard about someone's accomplishments that, um, from someone that you know versus some, you know, stranger, you know, halfway across the world, it's more meaningful. Like it means more to, he to hear about it. And yeah, and it has a bigger impact on you. Because you can directly compare yourself to them, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess in a way. Because right now I'm thinking about like the people in our grade who have gone on to achieve bigger things than myself. Because we came from the same place. Mm. People yeah. earning more money than you. My ears are... That shouldn't be it's one that. one thing, it's but, yeah. but not the only thing. Yeah, like, I, I really relate to that if that is the case. Um, I would draw inspiration more from people that I know than those that I don't. So for example, those at the top of the field, like Michael Jordan, very inspirational, but it's not someone that I draw direct inspiration mm. from for my day to day. Because I don't know him, I don't know how he grew up. Yes, the documentary talks about it, but I never talked to him before he was successful. I think I draw more inspiration from people that are now successful or are on the way to their success, but I knew it was a fucking dropkick. Mm. That is inspirational oh, to me. Oh, you knew, full stop. Right? Yeah, so, they don't so, have to be a dropkick. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, like, that's an extreme, right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so what I mean is like, because I didn't expect it from them, but then they suddenly, or they, through their efforts, um, or through their minds, mindset mm. change, they, they made it. Mm. That is super inspirational to me. Mm. And there's many cases of that, like a few of my friends. Um, and <laughs> they talk about me too. Jake. You're a dropkick. Thanks. That's why you said that. You think And and you wanna you wanna um you wanna understand what their changes, right? Like you wanna see and you wanna talk to them about and how it. they got there. Yeah. Um. And it's not like more. It's not really like a. I think it's a source of admiration, but it's not so much like oh, it's out of reach. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you got you guys. Like if they could do it, I can too. 
Yeah, and I think like some sort of rivalry is there, and that's that's awesome. Competitiveness. Yeah, and 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 how good is that? I'm gonna ask one final question. How much have we learned just from having this podcast? I've learned a lot because it it it's directly in line with speaking your mind and uh, making yourself heard. Because just having this podcast as a platform. I've had to articulate my thoughts. I've had to think about things in really different ways. When you speak, I think you think differently. If it's just all in your head, the the uh, the thought never changes. But when you actually s- say something out aloud, it adds something to your identity, and then from there it grows. It's a really strange sensation. You have to put it into a chain of thought, whereas when you think, yeah. it's all sort of like in a bubble. Yeah, that, I think that's right. And when you speak, it comes out into the world, and it it's freed from this bubble. For me, I've grown a lot from this podcast. I don't know if you can relate. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's still something I'm working towards. Because I sometimes I feel like it's difficult to articulate what I'm thinking, and I do struggle with it sometimes. Um, and actually, thinking, like learning that sometimes that what I that some of my words actually have meaning sometimes because sometimes I feel like I don't have like strong opinions on things mm. um, and I just I sort of have to learn that you know it is worth speaking up and expressing my opinions like it mm. can give a different perspective of things that you might not see until you actually say it mm. he's redeemed himself <laughs> <laughs> it's true no, like, I, yeah I, I, I sort of agree with that as well um, and I think this podcast definitely has changed uh, a lot like I've I think from a very young age I've never really been afraid to speak my mind sometimes a bit too much and I think I this podcast has been teaching me very slowly speak less listen more um, oh. and also be a bit more articulate in, in, in how I deliver things yeah also facilitating other people to speak like Leo <laughs> fantastic thanks Mortz I do agree all around, but what I find is the most valuable for me is the fact that I get to learn at a micro level about what each of us are thinking. And I can genuinely say that I don't think I was super close with all of you guys here before this podcast. Um, Thanks, bro. Yeah, I mean, Morgs, excluding more, like, I knew him from a while ago, but all of you guys here, right, including Nick, like, I didn't know um, what you guys are about, I guess. But this podcast definitely helped me to find out more about your motivations. Yeah, just building on that, I would say the thing I've taken away from this podcast the most is just uh, understanding everyone's opinions on things, understanding why you guys think about certain things and not just my idea of what you guys think. Because I, I think I have an idea of what everyone thinks based on just the interactions we've had. Yeah, we've been friends for a goddamn long time. Yeah, but understanding why you have those ideas or how they came to be and understanding you know, the motivation behind those beliefs has been eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to finish it off here because... This really reminds me of the episode zero that we had, if you guys recall. We, we did a recording where I kind of introduced the idea to everyone in this, in this team and we kind of talked about where we wanted to grow in uh, developing this podcast. 
And I can see, um, I can see like a few guys nodding and, and smiling, but a lot of the things that we've talked about today have been points where I can see individuals from each of, each of us that we have grown to some extent in that uh, original vision that we, that we put forward in the beginning. And I see that as something that I can also, again, <laughs> draw inspiration from, like all of you guys around me here have given me the, um, the strength to like, continue on with this project. And I'm really glad that we started it. So I'm gonna end with like a tearful, grateful and appreciative answer to that question. Yeah. No, I've got to thank Richard for starting this as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. It's my pleasure. All right, I'm gonna go. Uh, right. I'm gonna go out because I'm fucking crying, falling my eyes out. <laughs> fucking Richard. Your makeup's falling, and you gotta reapply it. <laughs> gotta get my uh, eyeliner. Yeah, get that eyeliner back on. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week with another episode of Lifestyle Regulars podcast. See ya. Oh, oh, Thank you. Oh, oh, oh.